Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the anointing that holds back the hunger so that we can partake of the word this morning. Oh, Father, Father, we thank you that we are hungry for your word. We are hungry for your move of the Spirit in our lives, in the life of this church, and especially in the life of our communities. Father, we thank you that it is your desire, your passion, your purpose to fill us with all the knowledge that you have for us. And so, Father, this morning as we partake, Father, we thank you that you are going to open the eyes of our understanding and enlighten us. Lord, I thank you that you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer, able to speak a word in season, that it will bring hope, help, and healing, and understanding, and insight to all of us this morning. Take your Bibles and just say this with me. This is my Bible, and it is the Word of God. It is God speaking to me. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I can have what it says I can have. I am, because of the blood of Jesus, righteous. Because of the body of Jesus, I walk in divine health. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That means I'm good looking. In my Father's sight, I am precious and adored and good looking, beautiful, handsome in His sight. It don't matter what everybody else thinks. It only matters what my daddy thinks. Now I believe I will receive everything you have for me this morning. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Y'all want me to preach now, is that right? <laughs> Turn in your Bibles. We'll get there. I'll get revved up in a minute. <laughs> Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. So this morning, we are starting a new series called Now What? Everybody say, now what? Now what? So we've talked about vision. We've talked about, uh, we've talked about gaining vision from the Lord. We've talked about what the purpose of vision is, how God's given us a vision as a church, how God's given us a vision as the body of Christ, but how God's also given us individual vision. And so I was thinking logically and just kind of thinking about these things, and the, 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 uh, the phrase came up out of me, now what? Because that's the logical, in my mind, the Lord says, go into all the world and make disciples. And everybody's standing there in their glory, hallelujah, and Jesus takes off in the air. And I can just imagine everybody sitting around going, now what? Now what do we do? And so I want to turn your attention to Luke chapter 24. This was right before Jesus, uh, well actually it was right after. And he appears to his disciples. This is after he's been crucified, appears to, his, appears to his disciples. So they've watched Jesus crucified. They watched him die, the, the Savior of the world, and now he's dead. So they're walking around going, okay, what in the world? And the Bible says that a lot of the disciples left and scattered. And so he appeared to them, and he says in verse 49, he says this, well, let's go to verse 46. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait, but tarry. In the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So the title of my message this morning is Endued with Power. So they've walked with Jesus. They've talked with Jesus. They've cried with Jesus. They watched Jesus die. Peter denied Jesus vehemently three times. The disciples are scattered. I mean, it just seems like all hope is lost. And Jesus appears to him, and he said, You have been my witnesses, now you go and witness. But wait, 
Don't go yet. I want you to go to Jerusalem. And I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, in Jewish tradition, Jewish calendar, the Passover was around 50 days after uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the day of Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday was about 50 days after the Passover, which is the supper, which is when, when the children of Israel got together and celebrated what God had did for them when the angel of death passed over them because of the blood on the, uh, uh, on the doorpost. And that was a dinner, that was a feast that they enacted to put themselves in remembrance and to celebrate Passover that God had passed over them and had delivered them from their bondage. And so now we come to the New Testament. They break bread. They have the Last Supper, which we just demonstrated here, part of that Last Supper. They gave thanks. And so somewhere around 50 days later is when we're at the day of Pentecost. Are you following me? So Jesus raises on the third day. He says, I'm gone. I got to leave. But go and be my witnesses. But not just yet. I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait. Peter just got done denying him. Peter just got done denying Jesus. The disciples are scattered and Jesus says, wait? Why? Why wait? Because he said, wait until what? Until you are endued with the power to carry about my commission that I've called you to do. I remember, we're going to get into it. I do not want to rush through this. But at the same time, I may skip around a little bit, so bear with me. But I remember the old Pentecostals used to have tearing services. You remember those? Tearing service. Now, let me say this for those of you that may be visiting, those of you that have never heard this. The problem that I have seen in charismatic, non-denominational Pentecostal services, and then you've got, charis- uh, you've got denominational services and, and uh, factions, and what you've got is you've got two opposite ends of the spectrum. And the truth, the reality is always balanced somewhere in the middle. And we're going to go line upon line, precept upon precept. My goal, my heart, is to share with you the Word of God and to let the Word of God judge and to be the dictator over this baptism of the Holy Spirit, day of Pentecost subject. Okay? Somewhere in the middle is where this truth lies. Paul talked about it. Two-thirds of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. And we know the Apostle Paul spoke in tongues because he told the Corinthian church. All they did was come together and pray in tongues all the time. And no one was getting edified. And Paul said, look here, you bunch of babbling crazy folk. I talk in tongues more than all of you. But when I'm in church... And so we know Paul did, and Paul began to lay out line upon line, precept upon precept, the proper order of how these things are supposed to function. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. So in Luke chapter 24, Jesus said, You shall be endued. Now that word endued means to sink, go in or under, to put on. It means to be clothed. Like the soul is clothed with the body. You remember last week, uh, Pastor Thaddeus preached about uh, body, soul, and spirit. And he brought all three of them. The body is clothed, is the clothing for the soul and the spirit of man. Then they're all intertwined. But it is the clothing. And so when you, you and I pass away, when we depart from this earth, it is like we take off this jacket. This is the body. We take off this jacket. And we lay it to the side. And now this is nothing more than flesh. The Bible says in Revelation that we will get a new body. But this right out of itself, everybody pinch yourself. Don't too hard. Pinch yourself. Better yet, pinch somebody next to you. Not too hard, just pinch them. That's flesh. But how many of you know, I'm not going to put this back on. You never know. I may get to preaching. So your flesh is sensitive. It's tender. And you, 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 you pinch it and it hurts. There's something that goes on inside of you. There's something that happens that explodes inside of you. So we are flesh beings. But he's saying here, the word endued is like that. The flesh is just the clothing of the real you. And he says, go and wait in Jerusalem because I'm fixing to get you some new clothes. I'm fixing to throw you in the deep end. And you're going to be swallowed up by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) 
When you get born again, Jesus breathed onto the, the, the disciples at the Mount of Transfiguration and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. When you take a drink of water, right? You take a drink of water, that water goes in you. The water is in you and it circulates through your body, right? But that's a whole different story when you jump into the deep end of a pool underwater and go all in underneath that water. What is the significance of baptism? Baptism in the natural is a significant event. It is an outward sign of an inward transformation. You, uh, John the Baptist had to baptize Jesus. And when he baptized Jesus, he went under. And when he came up, it was as if he was a new person. The dove came down, or like a dove came down, and the voice from heaven said, This is my son in whom I am well... No. He said, This is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. There's a significance when you're baptized. It's something that... that, that uh, that it's an outward sign that you're saying, I'm totally submitting myself to the Lordship of Jesus. You follow me. All right? Well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the same except it's in the Spirit. And so you are allowing the Holy Spirit to submerge you in all that He is. So you may drink water, but it's a whole different ballgame when you're swimming under and in the water and you are submerged and it is all over you. That is what he's talking about. You shall be endued, covered, overwhelmingly saturated to where it's dripping off of you. I mean, just water everywhere with power. Now that word power in the Greek is uh, dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. Casey's got some dynamite. He doesn't want me to tell y'all, but he's got some dynamite. He knows where some, he knows, or he thinks he knows where some dynamite is. This 4th of July, we went down to Florida to get the fireworks because these, these Georgia fireworks are pansy. I mean, they're just nothing. They're just little firecrackers. We went to Florida to get some fireworks, baby. You know what I'm talking about? And they had these little things. They don't have M80s anymore. They have, what were they called, M40s or M20s? They're bigger than a firecracker, but not as big as an M80. Why? Because an M80 is one-fourth the stick or one-eighth the stick of dynamite. So I was out there, and we were wiring them all together, boy. The, uh, can I get an amen from all the men in the room? So we wired about ten of them together, and you'd light that thing up, and it goes, I wanted to take them all apart and create one big mason jar full of dynamite. Just to, that's the kind of power that Jesus said you and I would be overwhelmingly saturated and dipped in that power. And that word dunamis actually means achieving power. It is having the meaning of not only being able, but capable, well able, and well capable of doing it. So Jesus says, go, and you are my witnesses. But not yet. You've got to wait until you are overwhelmingly saturated and dipped in the dynamite power of God. So now let's go to Acts. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Some people say, well, they stay away from Acts. They stay away from this baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't like talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't like talking about tongues because it scares folks. No, it don't. What scares folks is yielding to the Lord. Salvation scares folks. Let's just be honest. If any man follow me, he must die. Nobody wants to die and take up their cross. But this, this subject, why is it so controversial? So I've asked myself for years. See, I grew up, I grew up in the non-denominational, charismatic, Pentecostal circles. I mean, that's what I'd, I remember going to church every time the doors were open. I remember people praying in tongues out loud. I remember people running around acting crazy. I remember that. I remember people laying hands on my, uh, somebody, I'll just say it that way. I remember them laying hands on somebody trying to cast the demon out of the big toe in their foot. I thought, there ain't no demon in the big toe. What kind of demon is in the big toe anyway? What's an ingrown toenail demon? But as a young boy, I remember seeing that and thinking, this is 
weird. I mean, Jesus didn't sweat this much. Jesus, this is what Jesus would did. Bye. That's what he'd say. He'd say, leave. And then the disciples were so impressed with this power, this mantle of power that was on them when he sent them out two by two that they came back and they said, Jesus, even the demons. And he said, rejoice not that the demons fall at your name, but that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's never been a big deal. This stuff has never been a big deal. But why do we make it a big deal? Because that's where the power is. It was so powerful that he said after the death, after the resurrection, after everything, he appeared to them and he proved to them that he was alive. And he said, but don't go anywhere till you get in some power. Why is it such a big deal? Because that's where the power is. Why is money such a big deal in our society? Because that's where the influence and that's where the power is. You don't believe it? Okay, well just watch the presidential election and you tell me what you think. Now, not always. Well, no, I take that back. It is most of the time. The candidate may not have the money, but he's got people that back him that's got the money because money and influence is what wins elections. Well, I just don't believe that. Well, that's okay. Then run for president. We'll see how far you get. You know how many millions and millions of dollars is spent why did you think that he told Timothy, pray for all that is in authority over you? Because the only thing that's got greater influence than money is prayer. The only thing that's going to overcome this is prayer. And it ain't just normal everyday prayer. It's the dynamite prayer, endued with power prayer, that's going to overcome things in our society. And guess what? The ball falls in our court. That's our fault. Well, the world is just going, 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 going. And I just don't know what we're going to do, Pastor. We're going to pray. That's what we're going to do. We're going to stand and be the church like God has called us to do. And we are going to stand in the gap. And we are going to make the influence in the spirit that needs to be made. You don't think that God can turn out of the prayers of a righteous man, makes tremendous power available, dynamic, there's that word again, in its working to in, in, be influential to the people that make the laws in our country? God will wake them up. Now, He will never violate their will, but He will darn sure make it very hard on them. And if they won't do it, guess what? The prayers of a righteous man will bring somebody in to make the change that needs to be made. Every time we get closer to elections, all my sermons start tying in to elections somehow. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. He says this. Verse 4. This is an account by the apostles, of the apostles and of Jesus. This is the New Testament book. This is the New Testament church. The birth of the new church. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Spirit, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You shall be baptized. Not you're going to get the Spirit, because you got the Spirit if you saved. If any man is in Christ, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. There is a salvation. There is a Holy Spirit deposit that is made in you when you receive Jesus. You cannot get saved apart from the Holy Spirit. But be, having the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit having an overwhelming and dipping you in all the Holy Spirit power is two totally different things. It's so powerful that he said, wait. Because that's where the power is. That's where the power is. And so he says, you shall be baptized submerged, overwhelmed, saturated with this power. Acts chapter 1, now read on to verse 8. But you shall receive power. Now listen, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Notice he didn't say you shall do witnessing. Notice he said, and you shall be endued with power and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and he's going to give you the unction and the words so that you can witness. No, he says, and you shall be. 
That means that the Holy Spirit comes on you and enables everything about you to be. Let me tell you what the problem with the church that I've seen growing up. The problem with the church is we are so concerned with doing that we forget to just be. Even on Sunday mornings, even church as a whole, we as elders have been processing these things for years. And one of the things that we're coming up with is the secret to church is just to be the church. Bless God, you want to have a financial seminar? Then have one. You want to feed some people? And when he says he wants to feed, you seen him? Look at him. He wants to feed some people. This man can eat. You know what I'm saying? He's like a bear. Look how big he is. I'm talking about just big, not big, but I mean big. He's just, am I embarrassing you? He's handsome though. Look at him. He's good looking. Everybody said, thank you, Casey. Brother Casey. Whatever you want to do. The secret to us, the secret to the church is just to be the church. Any of you here that are men, or let's say women, I always pick on the men. How many of you are women in the room? Go ahead and raise your hand, all the women in your room. Do you ever have to try to be a woman? And all the husbands in the room said, amen. No, you don't have to. I have a house full of women. I'm telling you, they don't have to try. They just are women. <laughs> One minute, everything's fine, and I'm the hero, and the next minute, I'm in the doghouse with all of them, and I don't know what happened. And so then, not only that, but they're mad at me because I don't know what happened. I'm like, I don't know. I'm a man. I, oh, no, you didn't. I, I don't. You don't have to try to be a woman. You just are women. We don't have to try to be men. We just are men. And if you're trying to change who you are to be something you think you are, you're just listening to a lie. As that famous rapper said, God made you who you are. You're just listening to all that lying. Enemy trying to tell you stuff. You shall be this power that comes upon your life enables you to be. It's easier to be than it is to do. It's hard to do. The Old Testament was do, do this, and do this, and do this, and don't do this. The New Testament comes along and he just says here, just be. Be in Christ. Be endued with power. Well, I want more power in my life. Well, good. I'm glad you asked that because we're going to get to that too. Acts chapter 2. Now let's go to Acts chapter 2. And he says this. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That's a key right there. The key to being endued, the key to accessing everything that God has for you and for me is being in one accord. Not just with each other, but with God. God tells you to do something, you do it. Obedience is better than sacrifice. If you and I are not obedient, the only works... Salvation is not about works, but in a, in a sense, it is about one work. Salvation. You have to work for your salvation in one area and one area only. You ready? One area. I agree. I will. Yes, sir. Amen. That's the work. You have to bring yourself into alignment and in agreement and in a sense, exercise your will to receive the gift that God has for you. If I said, here, Morris, I want to give you this knife, what do you have to do to get that knife? You have to receive it. There you go. Well, I don't believe in free. Yeah, go ahead. I don't believe in, in grace, sloppy grace, free grace. Well, then you don't believe the Bible because everything that God has done is a free gift so that you and I can never take credit for what we've done. The incense that is offered up in the Levitical law when they go into... The incense was to cover the stench of the sacrifice so that when God, when it went to heaven into God, He smelled that aroma and He was pleased. And guess what? We are to Him the sweet fragrance. That's the only works there is. Thank you, I will receive that. That's what it is. You receive it. You have to reach out and receive it. This whole working it up, I got to make sure I'm right before I get right, that makes no sense. No sense. 
In Acts 2, 4, he says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Everybody say obedient. It pays to be obedient. And suddenly (coughs) there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Who began to speak with other tongues? Who began to speak with other tongues? They did. Who is they? How did they begin to speak with other tongues? The Spirit gave them utterance. What did the Spirit do? Gave them utterance. What did they do? They opened their mouth. The Spirit gave them utterance, but they had to what? Once again, obedience comes into play. And they were all filled. They were all baptized, submerged, dunked, wallowed, sunk out, and disappeared into the Holy Spirit presence. And out of that presence, when they came up, they were all speaking with other tongues. Well, I don't know about that tongue business. Do you speak French? Do you speak Arabic? Do you speak Spanish? But you don't look at people when they speak in tongues and go, man, that's weird. No, they're speaking their native language. Some people have said, well, pastor, the book of Acts says that they spoke with other tongues, meaning diverse tongues, different dialects of tongues. And so it says that the people heard them speaking in their own language. That's right, they did. Some of them. But the Bible never definitively says that's all that happened. You cannot prove For us to think that we can put this thing in a box and say that's all that happened is arrogant and prideful. That is not. Let me tell you this. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and released and gave themselves to the submission, to that submersion. Because the Holy Spirit will never possess you. He will only enable you. He will only give you unction. You can stop it at any time you want. See, demons possess the Holy Spirit gives you utterance. He is, he is, he's like a water, a water spigot. He'll go and turn it on as hard as you want to go. And then when you get tired and ready to shut it off, he'll shut it off because he's a gentleman. But it says that they were all filled with the Spirit, begin to speak in tongues. And it says later on, it says, and how is it that we hear each own language in which we were born? Parathens, Medans, Elamites, and he goes on and he says that they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? Others mocking say, these are full of new wine. There was something that transpired on that day that was a power, that was a demonstration. People thought they was drunk. Well, I don't like that, you know. You scare folk. Folk get scared when you start praying in tongues. Well, 3,000 people got born again that day. Somebody wasn't scared. People know the difference. People know... The difference. People know the difference. You can see it. You can sense it. You can smell it. You know when people are faking it. You know when something's not right. You may not could put your finger on it, but it just, it just ain't right. This morning, we had a demonstration of prayer in tongues and an interpretation of tongues that 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about. And in that interpretation was an edification for the body was an exhortation and was a comfort for the body. Now, if you didn't like that, then you don't like the Bible. Because the Bible very clearly, plainly says, Paul says, when you're in church, let this be, but only he set up parameters. It's like we want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't like some of it because we don't understand it, because we've made a God out of understanding. And so we set up these temples in our mind if I don't understand it I don't want to partake of it explain to me for a moment how gravity works does anybody can you explain to me how gravity works can you explain to me how your brain and your mind works we have a mind we have a brain You can be brain dead and your body can't live without the mind. Can you please explain it to me in layman's terms? Nobody? But yet we don't fight that. I don't understand that. 
We don't, we don't even, medical science doesn't even understand the depth and the breadth and the width of the human body. And yet we, we think we got to understand everything in order to participate with God. I don't understand how the waters parted, but they did. And it says that they walked on dry ground. I mean, God doesn't just part the water and say, all right, pull it up deep because it's going to be muddy. No, he sucks the water out of the ground and they walk on dry. I don't understand how that works. I don't understand how one man with the jawbone of a donkey can destroy and kill a thousand Philistines. But yet it happened. I don't understand how the Holy Spirit can come down and saturate those believers to such a degree to where they begin to speak in an unknown language that they had never been taught and people thought they were drunk. I don't understand that. I can't comprehend and put that in a box, but I know it happened. People say, well, uh, I'm going to go off my notes. Is that okay? People say, well, I don't understand it. And I've studied the word, so you, you, what you're doing is wrong. That's what they've said. I've had people say that to me. I grew up, remember I told you I grew up in this, okay? But I grew up in this and everything that I knew and everything that I'd learned, I had basically absorbed through my mother and those that taught me. I had never studied it for myself. So when I began to be challenged with what I thought and what I believed, it rocked me to the core because they had scripture and verse. And when I begin to study for myself the Holy Spirit that is in me, that is the great teacher, because I had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at a very young age, he began to teach me that I couldn't even, I couldn't even write fast enough. And I was 18 years old, and I began to learn about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, divine healing, the, the power of God, God's will. And in, in, in a period of 10 weeks, I accumulated all that stuff through the Holy Spirit that is teacher within me and never looked back since then. I don't understand how that happened, but it happened. I don't understand how they begin to speak in tongues, but they did. I don't understand what happened, but they did. There was something that transpired that was beyond their control, but yet they yielded to a control of a greater force. They yielded to an influence of greater power. And out of that influence and out of that power came a working to where Peter, just 50 days earlier, had cussed him out and said, I don't know Jesus. I don't know that explicative, explicative, explicative man is. And now... He stands before the people less than 60 days, two months, less than two months after Jesus was crucified. He stands to them and said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. Where did that power come from? What did he go to a, a, a motivational seminar that weekend? We talk about flip-flop. Now he stands up and there's a power inside of him that nobody understands. I'm sure there were people going, man, that's the guy that was denying Jesus. And now all of us, oh, thank you, Jesus. I want to be saved. Amen. There was something that happened. And I submit to you that that something happened on that day and continues to happen when people yield themselves to the power and to the influence of the Holy Spirit. People say, well, I don't want to receive anything that is of the enemy. I don't want to yield myself to something, I have completely gone off the notes, but that's okay. I don't want to yield myself to something that may harm me. I don't want to submit myself to something and then the enemy be able to come in and to uh, persuade me, to influence me. And Jesus said, I'm looking for it. Jesus, uh, there it is. Thank you, Lord. Matthew chapter 7. Thank you, Lord. Chapter 11. For chapter 7. Mark. Is that it? Mark 11. Okay, so here he says, If you then being evil, verse 11, know how to give good gifts to your... Rebecca, ask and it will be given. Somebody say ask, ask. 
and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. To me that's, I mean, that's just as simple as you can get it. Well, I got to, we got to fast and pray for 30 days before the Lord hears us. No, you fast and pray for you, not him. You and I are so saturated and so cluttered with the world that we have to de- detox ourselves. Or what man is there among you, verse 9, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask? Well, somebody said, well, that's good things. The word in the Greek is charisma. And it's the same word in the Greek that Paul told Timothy to stir himself up on that good gift. It's the same word that is used for the Holy Spirit. It's not the Greek word doria, which is used for the Holy Spirit. It's the Greek word charisma. 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 That's where we get charismatic from. Because it is a gift from God. It is a gift that He gives us. And that right there says to him, if you and I are praying and say, Lord, because people have said speaking in tongues is of the devil. Well, cussing is of the devil too. But you ain't stopped cussing. (laughs) That speaking of the tongues, boy, that that is devilish. I wouldn't have no part in that. I'm telling you right now, that speaking in tongues, come on. If you then being evil, he compares my love for my children to be evil, would give good gifts to your children. So we yield, they, they were in one accord, they had no idea what to expect, and they said, but we know you are a good, good guy. He's a good, good father, right? That's who he is. I want all that you got for me. Well, if the enemy can sneak in and give you something that's counterfeit, boy, we are in a major world of turt. You understand what I'm saying? No. He said if we being evil, how much more would God give us that gift, the Holy Spirit? Another gospel says give them the Holy Spirit that asks. There's something about this that is the key to unlocking the Great Commission in our lives and in the life of the church. And it is so valuable that he said, go and tarry and wait until you be endued with power. I have nowhere near got as far as I wanted to get. The word utterance means he gives you the words to speak in here. Now, if you're having a hard time and you don't understand what it means to speak in an unknown tongue, well, welcome to the club. We got t-shirts and license plates and bumper stickers. I don't understand it. But I don't understand gravity, but I abide by it. I don't understand how an automobile works, but I still drive it. I don't always understand a lot of things, but we participate. The greatest things that create the greatest problem in our society is when the simplest thing quits working like your well and you ain't got no water and now you're like oh my god what I... okay I'll bring it home to you like your TV you turn it on and it's like man and somehow we think if we keep hitting that power button it's like something's blocking the transmission but we still partake in it. You may not understand. You may not know. You may not have the you may have been filled and pumped full of all kind of theology that is in error according to the word of God, but that doesn't mean that you can't trust God. And say, "Lord, I trust you and I want everything you got for me." Max chapter 10 I'm winding it up. Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to Cornelius' house. This is seven years. Everybody say seven. Seven years after the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 10, he begins to preach to everyone in Cornelius' house. 
And in verse 44, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, what words? He said in verse 42, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness through his name. Who believers it, who, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. He's preaching grace. He's preaching grace. He's preaching the good news. The remission of sins. We don't have to get no bulls and goats and cut them and bleed them and sacrifice them. It's been done. It's been taken care of. That's what he's preaching. And while he's preaching, verse 44, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Something happened. Something transpired that was a deposit. And when they heard something, it did something inside of them. And they said, Lord, I want everything you got for me. And the Holy Spirit said, that's all I needed. Bam! Let me tell you why there's such resistance. Why is it so resistant? It's no different than salvation. Think about when you got born again. Boy, everything in you was saying, get up and go to that altar. And you refused to do it. You sat there and you twisted and that thing knotted up inside of you. Why? Because you knew. Because the enemy knew. Don't, 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 do, don't do that. Don't do that. Because the Bible says that you're in a seated position. You're in darkness. And he said, don't get up. Don't get up. I know that light. Don't distract. He's trying to distract you. So she gets a text message, and she's like, look at this funny text. He's like, I can't stand to hear that. I want to hear the word. And your soul, your body, your spirit begins to cry out because you and I were made in his image. And it begins to cry out. Why was it so resistant? Because that's when the new birth took place. It's no different than the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit begins to churn. And he said, he's talking to you. And you're going, no, I don't want that stuff. My mama said that was of the devil. He's talking to you. He's talking to you because it's in this word. How did the first century church know someone was filled with the Holy Spirit? Because they begin to speak in tongues and magnify God. What was she doing this morning? What was she doing? Now, this is, there's two sides to tongues. There's a private side and a public side. I don't have time to go into that this morning, but I am going to say this. What was she doing this morning? Well, he told you what she was doing. He interpreted what she was saying. And it was magnifying God and encouraging the brethren and the sistren and the children. It was an encouragement to God. Why is it so resistant? Why are we so dead set religiously against the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because it's where the power is. It's like, it's like riding around on a bicycle. That's a great way of, of getting around on transportation. It is. It's a good way. But a Corvette's faster. I heard a comedian the other day talk about the, the Rolls Royce Phantom. It'd go like 0 to 60 in 3.2 seconds. It's a million dollar car. This guy said a million dollars. I better hear somebody say, Autobots, roll out. <laughs> a million dollars for a car that it goes 0 to 60. There's, there's a difference. Yeah, you can get from point A to point B on a bicycle, but you can get there a whole lot quicker in a sports car. You can get there a whole lot quicker with a jet. And we're content. We have been content because the enemy will accommodate us and the spirit of religion will say, well, you don't need all that tongues. You got everything you needed at salvation. One more verse. If that's the case, one more verse. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. I challenge you to go through the Bible, the book of Acts, and look at each account in the book of Acts where someone was filled with the Holy Spirit with the exception of three accounts. All of the accounts indicated that they spoke with other tongues. And one of the three accounts, it says that the, the, uh, the sorcerer saw something and he wanted to pay money to get it. It didn't say they spoke in tongues, but it said he saw something. What did he see? 
Well, all the other accounts tell you, every other account tells you that when they receive the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak in tongues and begin to magnify God. And this sorcerer wanted that power for the money. And then one of the other three accounts was the Apostle Paul. Well, we know he spoke with other tongues. Because I'm fixing to tell you right here, Acts chapter 19, and it happened. Somebody say 14 to 20 years after the day of Pentecost. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Somebody say disciples. Who was a disciple? Because some commentators have said, well, these weren't, these weren't Christians. Okay, we'll just set that to the side. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Were they believers? They were believers. They were baptized. I mean, they were, they were disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you believed? And look at what they said. 20 years after the day of Pentecost. We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what? Then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Were they saved or were they not? This was after Jesus crucified, raised, and went to heaven. So this is Acts, the New Testament church. It might as well be today. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, no. We don't even know what you're talking about. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I don't, like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I like it. He said to them, he said, Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who come after him. This is on Christ Jesus. Were they not born again? Did they not believe in the baptism of repentance? When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. I mean, they're walking around. They're saved. They're born again. They're disciples. They may, they're making disciples. I mean, they're preaching. And Paul says, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Paul must have saw something in them either by sight or by word of knowledge, or something in him, because now Paul's flowing in this power, and he says to them, have you received? He noticed something. There was something in them that he noticed that they were lacking. I shouldn't say lacking. Let me say it this way. Go to 2 Timothy. I'm going to say it this way, and I'm going to close with this one. 2 Timothy, he said, Therefore I remind you, in verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Jude says, stir yourselves up on that most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Same man, wrote the same two books, said the same thing to two different pastors. He said the same thing, stir yourself up. That word stir up means to fan the flame. Paul looked in their life and saw a fire, but said, ooh, that, that fire can be bigger. Have you received the power of the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized? And they said, no. They said, well, what baptism were you? They said, John. And he said that they, when they were baptized, he prayed over them, and he said that the Holy Spirit filled them, and now instead of a candle, they got a bonfire. And they begin to prophesy and pray in tongues. There is something. There is, it's not something. There is power. In the name of Jesus. There is a power that we have not yet tapped into. And that power is so powerful that the, the, the psalmist said that it makes my youth renewed like the eagle. It makes us better looking. Which I didn't even think was possible. But it's possible for you to get better looking. Because of what you've done? Because of the face cream and the hair? No, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because there is no lack in God. There is no lack in that power. It does nothing but just dynamite and explodes you. Well then why is it such a big deal, Pastor? Because it is a huge deal. 
It's a huge deal. Stand with me. Well, we just have to come back to this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is about release. It's about submission. And by the way, if you're interested in getting baptized in water, call the office and let Pam know. We're also going to be scheduling that sometime in October or November. But what happens when you baptize, when you, when you get baptized? There comes a point where you you got to let go. you got to release. You've got to willingly submit that the man is going to catch you and not keep you underwater. That he will bring you back up. There's always an element of, 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 uh, of, of failure. Thaddeus and I were talking before he left, and he said to me, he said, and it was so powerful, he said, success always has... Or, it, the risk of failure and the risk of success is always, and when that is equal, then you are stepping out by faith. Well, I don't know what I'm going to get if I stick my hands up and ask the Lord to fill me with the Holy Spirit because I done saw people just do all kind of crazy stuff. What, okay, so what if he does? I've seen some of you do some crazy stuff. I've heard some crazy stuff come out your mouth. I went to the football game a couple of weeks ago and I saw people doing some crazy stuff. But when we come to church, hallelujah. I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is God's way of saying, I'm fixing to show up and show out and everybody, people thought they were drunk. And he said, they ain't drunk. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. There's something that happens. Now let me say this. John G. Lake, who was one of the greatest, one of the men of faith of the generation before, he was gone home to be with Jesus in the early 1900s. He was a phenomenal missionary. Many, many healings. He, at one point, they took the, uh, the plague. And, um, and they, he said, you, you put that plague in my hands. He was in Africa. He said, you put the plague in my hands. And then take it out and go look under the microscope and it'll be dead. And they put the plague in his hands and they did that. And they went and looked under the microscope and the plague was dead. He had died. And they said, we don't understand. He said, he said, the power and the life of God that is within me is greater than any disease. Greater than any plague. That's that dynamite, dunamis power that is within us. And I'm telling you that that's available for you today. The same power that came down on the day of Pentecost. The same power that those men encountered in Acts chapter 10. The same power that they encountered in Acts chapter 19 where they didn't even know of the Holy Spirit. That same power is available to you today. I'm not going to have time to get into it. I've already gone way over. But the Holy Spirit, He said to Paul, build yourself up. There is something that happens when we engage in the activity of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we let that voice flow. Father, in the name of Jesus... In the name of Jesus. Before we even get into anything else, I want to tell you that today is your day. There is a Savior 
who has already taken care of our sins, the remission of our sins, and desires for you to embrace that. If that's you, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life and experience a life of grace and mercy, be able to stand before God this morning as if sin never existed, I want to give you that opportunity. And I'd like to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to step out. But I am going to ask you to slip your hand up. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I want, to, I want you to slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I want to introduce you to Jesus. He said, but Lord, didn't we do this? And, and we prophesied and we healed the sick and we did all these things. And Jesus said, yeah, but I, I never knew you. I want to introduce you to Jesus this morning. If you don't know Jesus, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about Jesus. I want to introduce you to him this morning. If that's you, would you lift your hands? I want to pray for you. Bible says, and, and Paul said, be filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning be being filled. See, there's an initial filling. There's an initial baptism. Some of you here have never been baptized. Maybe you want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. But some of you here got baptized, and it's not that it dried up. It's that you quit stoking the fire. You quit fanning the flame. Paul said, stir up, fan the flame. you got to fan that flame that's in you. He's given us the, 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 the ability to fan that flame. We built a fire pit in our backyard of those stones. And the first time I built it, I put them all close together, butted them up. And we lit the fire, and the fire went, and then it died. I was like, what in the world? So my dad goes over and he gets that blower and he sticks that blower down in there and he blows that blower and the fire just erupted and exploded. He said, you don't have any air getting to the fire. You don't have any wind to blow and to stoke that fire. And so my father-in-law helped me redesign it and we, we spaced them out so that the air gets through and now the fire just flows. It's a constant flow. Some of you here, your bricks are too close together. Some of you have never blown on that fire. You got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I mean, that thing was like an explosion. But you don't fan it. You don't pray. You don't stir that gift up by praying in the Holy Spirit. I want to give you just as much the opportunity to get refilled as those who want to get filled. So I want you to lift your hands up, all of us, and just say, uh, you know, Lord, I know. Say this with me. Say, Lord, I know that you would never give me anything that would harm me. You would never give me anything that would not nourish me. And you would never give me something that I did not ask for. So I just raise my hands and I just say, Lord, I want it all. I want it all. I submit to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I submit to the Holy Spirit in my life. Do with me what you would have me to do. Hallelujah. Let it flow out of your spirit. The Bible says that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living, active water. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you 
believe that he's a good God. Now, let me tell you something that I've noticed in, 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 in my, my short tenure in preaching and teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've always noticed that there are people that will get it and there are people that won't receive it right away. Not because God's not giving it, but because there's something that's blocking them. So here's what I want to do. I don't want to embarrass you. But I do want to say this, that in a corporate setting, there are times when it's, it is challenging because we've been inundated with teaching and doctrine that is not true. And right now, there's something going on in your spirit. There's some words that are going on in your spirit, and you, you're like, Mm-mm, no, 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 no. I'm not going to say that. Some of you, listen to me, we, we, we look for the spectacular and we miss the supernatural so much of the time. There's something that's going on inside of you. You don't understand it. You darn sure don't want to articulate it because then you would real sound foolish. But there's an opening of your mouth that has to take place because that's where the power of life and death is. So as we close, I just want to do this. Close your eyes one more time. I just want to say, Father, right now, I release it in them in Jesus' name. I release it right now in Jesus' name. How many of you want that? You want that. Will you... Be so bold as to come up and let, and let us pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to speak into the mic. I'm not going to embarrass you. Would you come up? I just want to pray for you. Can I just pray for you? Come on up, brother. Come on up. Come on. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're not going to embarrass them. We're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to point you out. Bless God, we're here to help and to encourage, right? We don't tear down, we build up. So I want you to stretch your hands forward towards them. And I want you to believe with me that we are going to release. We're not, we're not making something happen. All we're doing is we're agreeing with them together right now in the name of Jesus as Paul did and out of the unction of the Holy Spirit that I sense the Lord saying, I release and say, be filled with the Holy Spirit right now in the name of Jesus. I say right now in the name of Jesus, be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It says that they were filled with the Spirit and began to magnify God with other tongues. Just magnify. Let's just all magnify the Lord together, Father. Thank you. Now listen. What's the difference? Paul said that in, in church, it's got to be interpreted. What Paul was talking about when someone is standing up here and declaring things. But when we all pray together, we're praying together. That's not the same thing. I, don't, I can't get into it this morning, but I'll get into it in a week. I'll get into it next week or the week after. That what he's talking about is a private and a public side. And right now what we're doing is we're praying together. And we're engaging together. So one more time, just stretch your hands forth and say, Lord, we just say thank you that we release. We thank you for the release, the release in their life. Greater power, greater dynamite in their, power, in their life right now in Jesus' name. Greater power. That dynamite power, endued, you are endued with power. And now just everybody lift your hands and just say, I receive it by faith. I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I receive it by faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just thank the Lord. Father, we thank you.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, before we go, anybody else need prayer? Just prayer in general. You just want somebody to pray over you. Whatever it may be, physical, mental, uh, financial, whatever it may be, anybody want prayer right now? Before we leave, before we dismiss and go eat, anybody? Everybody's good? Well, then do this for me. This is what we're going to do. I want you to hold hands with each other. These up here, just leave them. They're fine. They're just being ministered to. Let's hold hands with one another. And I want you to pray. We're going to pray together. I want you to pray for the person on your left, and I want you to pray for the person on your right. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Just pray for them right now, whatever comes out of your spirit. Father, I thank you. In the name of Jesus. Greater power, greater greater faith as it goes into all the world. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray for one another. They had all things in common, and they bound together. They were in unity, and we pray together in Jesus' name for each other. Hallelujah. Pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And now I declare in the name of Jesus a greater level of power in your life. A greater level of anointing in your life. There is favor upon your life. A moment of God's favor is worth more than a lifetime of labor. I declare favor over your life. I declare healing over your life. By His stripes, I declare healing over your body. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, I receive it. I receive it. Amen. Amen.